The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. We say good morning. Now, there are a lot of things going on with CWLP, but I think, number one, we just found out. Todd LaFountain, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sam. Why did you guys eliminate the hot ditch for my grandkids <laughs> to swim and people to catch the big fish? What's going on, Todd? This hurts. Yeah, we had that conversation just a couple minutes ago. So uh, with the retirements of the units, 31, 32, and 33, we no longer circulate cooling water at the north end of the lake. So the north end of the lake does freeze in now. That's what you were telling me. I said you never saw the north end, but because 1, 2, and 3 are in the past... Uh, what is the future of those stacks? Will they eventually come down? Doug? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The answer is yes. Uh, yes. Eventually. They're I, I, I'll down. bet it's all based on how much money you can get <clears throat> to do it. Yeah, that's correct. We're going to do a, a request for proposals, basically, to take down the stacks and some other external structures. Um, you know, but then we'll figure out what we're going to be able to do and what we're going to accomplish maybe with the next couple of years. All right, the magic number is 32. A lot of people, I've never heard so many people paying attention to a city budget as they are this year. Tell me a little history. How long have you folks been thinking about the need to raise the rates, if you will? You know, if you look back at past budget presentations, we've been carrying this message kind of for a few years now that the water fund has been declining in cash position. So the expenses have been increasing. Uh, You know, the revenues are, are flat. And, uh, you know, yeah, Chatham went away, you know, years ago, but then we had Unit 4 come on. So that kind of replaced Chatham. Um, So it's really more about expenses increasing. And I would say since COVID hit, you know, the inflation uh, for, for, you know, chemicals, materials has just uh, skyrocketed. It just does everything else it has across, you know, uh, the country. But um, so I think we've made it pretty clear that last year, you know, we had these one-time revenue sources, essentially. You know, we sold some property. Um, we, you know, we've received uh, the ARPA money, grants, those kinds of things. And we just don't have any more, you know, magic rabbits to pull out of the hat. And, uh, you know, you can't, you, you'd look at that and couple it with the mandatory regulations for lead service line replacements and some other infrastructure that we need to start working on. Uh, and other uh, water quality initiatives too. You know, you take all those into consideration and we needed to propose basically a a two-year phased-in rate increase. And that rate increase, you know, you you apply it to that, you know, we already have the lowest rates in the state. And uh, so we're talking 15 cents a day increase in that first year. So that's going to accomplish all of those things that we need to do for our infrastructure and water quality. So what that means, too, is that even though we're the lowest in the state, even with that first rate increase, we're still going to be the lowest in the state after this first year. Is there a second year, then another 32% in year two? That's correct. What happens after that? So it would probably move us into two or three. um, But I I would say that other utilities are facing the same things we are, especially with lead service lines they're going to be raising their rates as well. They're, they don't have a choice because, you know, and I'll, I can let Todd speak to it a little bit more in depth, but by 2027, 
we got to start replacing them, you know, by, you know, a, a certain, like 5% per year um, for like 20 years. We're talking about the, the, the lead impacted service lines. The lead service lines, yes. Todd, how many of the, I mean, is the whole city impacted by something like that, or is it basically the older neighborhoods? So lead service lines were uh, put in, uh, I guess, in Springfield's infrastructure up till 1930. Okay. So these are the customer in the city-owned portions off taps off the main um, trunk line. So after 1930, the city switched over to exclusively copper, and uh, we've remained copper PEX-type installations since then. But there's about 11,000 lead service lines in, oh, in the city of Springfield. There's about 52,000 service lines in total. So in rough terms, we always talk about about 20% of our service lines are constructive lead materials. I don't want to necessarily dump it on EPA, but was it EPA who brought this to the attention of the city and said, you must, and when they, I say must, what word did they use? You must address this. So Illinois is one of only three states in the nation currently that has mandatory lead service line replacement language on the books. Okay. Um, the other two are New Jersey and Michigan, of course. Um, you know, they, adopted their language after sure. the Flint, Michigan crisis. Um, so the the path that we have to move forward currently is predicated by state law. We, 2027, we have to start replacing lead service lines. The federal government, however, is looking at a, a new regulation called LCRI, which would make mandatory lead service line replacement a nationwide program. And it'd be twice as aggressive as the current state one. So that is just a proposed law, but uh, there are other things moving on a national scale. Is it safe to say, Doug, that most of the revenue generated by this 32% increase will go for the lead pipe replacement? Yeah, uh, that's the that's the majority uh, piece right there. And then uh, also we're kind of reinvesting in our mains. Um, you know, we, we've been getting a lot of main breaks, and the, the, the system is really just – aging more and more every year right so we're already behind on that and i think we need to get on a, uh you know basically a, a a plan that's just like other what other water utilities do um <clears throat> we're also looking at dredging the lake you know at least the the west side of uh i-55 bridge um that's where basically a lot of the sediment comes in from the, the watershed so we want to we want to dredge that uh, and we'll we would bond that as well so all I, of this work will be bonded. Is that right? No. Okay, um, help so me the, out. The lead service line replacements, main replacements, that's an ongoing thing. Okay. Uh, I mean, main replacements will be forever. Lead, lead lines, we have 20 years. Uh, the dredging, though, is a, a few-year a few project that will last 40, 50 years. So we won't, we would, we won't bond that, uh, just as well as like the move, relocating the water distribution building uh, complex. Uh, they're on 11th Street in Mason. We would relocate that facility and that would be bonded as well todd you want to say something i'm sorry i did um so i've always answered that question you know where's the 64 percent rate increase going what mm-hmm. initiatives are we undertaking so the short answer to that is like doug doug had mentioned about just short of 50 percent of the the total increase is going in one of two places investing in our distribution infrastructure or the debt service on dredging the lake so you know, that just leaves 14% to shore up our cash position, undertake some other smaller initiatives within the department. Doug, will some of this initiative mandate more people hired for CWLP? 
Correct. If we have to increase our workforce internally for the lead service line replacements, so we would be hiring an additional crew <clears throat> as well as additional equipment. And we would also be contracting out more work as well. So there's there's a lot to be done uh, in kind of a short amount of time uh, so, over the next few years. So when you say uh, this will be a lot of this replacement is done by in-house people. I mean, you're going to contract some, but obviously if you're going to hire some people, they'll also be hired for that purpose. That's correct. The Basically, the main work is, is really going to be done internally. Okay. Uh, at least that's the way we kind of see it so far. Um the customer side of the service line, the, the customer owned, we're attempting to use uh, get grants, those kinds of things, to help the customer pay for their their line, and we can hire a contractor basically to, to do that work. So, so when people say, and maybe a critic will say, well, they're going to use the money to hire more people for CWLP. If you're going to adopt the program, it almost seems like you have to do that, or you're going to contract everything out. That probably is not. It's a lot more costly than it would be to have employees. Yeah, you know, it's it's it, it's something that we have to do. You know, this is mandated, so we don't really have a choice here. And the only way to be able to get to that work is to hire, you know, additional staff to do that work. Uh, Todd, where is there a map somewhere that shows what area of town will be addressed initially when, if and when this passes and if and when the program's up and going? And as you said, there is a deadline uh, that's around the corner. Is there a map where people can say, well, gee, this area of town's good. And, and it shouldn't make any difference, but you know how people are. They're going to say, well, it doesn't impact me. Why should I have to pay for this? Right. There is a map online. So if you go out to our CWLP website, there's an interactive map there that shows the areas where we, we do have lead service lines. And it's it's interactive to from the aspect that the customer can go out and and assist us, go down to their basement and see what's coming through their basement wall in terms of a service line to kind of shore up that inventory. But it, it stretches out all over the city. Nine of the ten political wards have some degree of lead service line material really? in their in their uh, geographic area. I'm going to guess that Ward 10 probably is the one that does not You're because correct. that's the newest. I mean, that's that's the newest development in town. You're, you're correct. Yes. Uh, help me out. Doug, I get a couple calls, more than a couple, but I don't know why. They just, um, one from people in Jerome, and in, in particular the mayor, and then some people up in the Williamsville-Sherman area. They say, well, if you're if you're raising the rates, obviously you sell water to those two areas. How is that cost mandated? And if they decide to raise the rates, that's going to be up to them, right? So our, our rate structure with wholesale sale customers, you know, it varies to some of the contracts, but essentially they don't, they won't receive the exact 32%. They won't. No, it's, it's, it's based on a different formula okay. uh, with that. So there's already, you know, increase it's based on our costs. Uh, and I'm talking, going a little bit deeper explanation, but essentially, you know, they're already seeing, they've already seen some of those costs already as, as our expenses have increased those contracts already have that flowing through them. Todd, what happens if somebody convinces their other council members that, uh, no, we're going to only vote for a 20% increase? What what happens? What doesn't happen? That's a good question. And I guess there's a little, little framework where we started with this. So obviously we've been, as Doug had mentioned, we've been, working on this whole formula for quite some time, this whole package. And so 
you know, the initial ask, I suppose, as we were, we were going through this process was, was much higher number than 32%. Really? Okay. So, um, at the budget presentation, I laid out the 35 initiatives that we would touch with these two 32% rate increases. There's another uh, slide that had probably another 35 initiatives that, that we're not going to get to. So we really kind of went through the process and, and paired this rate in, increase back to the minimum that we need to keep the department sustainable for the next 10 years. Um, so these are all things we, we need to do. Probably the only project that has a little bit of in-play, I guess, aspect to it is the uh, water distribution renovation versus relocation project. That's about a 3% debt service cost um, in year two. That's still up for debate. We're still talking about that in front of council, but that's really the only piece that uh, we could afford to give up. Okay, walk me through again. If it passes, there'd be a 32% year one, then another 32% increase year two. What happens in year three? So then we're proposing to tie the, the rates moving forward to the CPI. So it's a water, sewer, trash index CPI. So it's specific to water, wastewater, utilities, trash, things like that. And uh, that would keep us from having to make these um, extreme, I guess, or, or big rate increases um, just every so often. It just kind of keep our, our funds stable moving forward for the next 10 years. Go. Yeah, and I will add to that, I guess. You know, when we looked at the budget, you know, uh, the Water Department and Todd, I mean, they basically made so many cuts trying to figure out if they could even come close to balancing the budget, and we couldn't do it. I mean, even with basically we'd have to lay off a lot of people, uh, stop work on, on critical infrastructure work. Uh, it just, it's. It, I would say it's kind of irresponsible not to look at, you know, asking for a rate increase to, fix those, uh, you know, financial structural problems as well as meet the, the mandatory regulations. Does it surprise you the reaction, Doug Brown, that the public has had? I think when they hear the term 32%, there's a, they don't know, sometimes they don't know if that's property tax increase, water, whatever the case might be. Yeah, I, I, I would, I'd fully expect, uh, you know, the reactions that there are because I don't think they get the full picture you know, nobody wants to watch a city council meeting, you know, full out to, to, to see what's going on. Our budget presentation was an hour in itself, you know, for electric and water. And uh, it had a lot of discussion, so it was like two and a half hours. So that's a long time for the public to, to invest in. And, um, you know, when you start looking at explaining what it is that we're doing and the real cost, I said, it's about 15 cents per day in the first year. That's that's not really that much. Um but when you talk in terms of percentage, because our our, our uh, water rate's so low, it's it really doesn't generate the, the same effect as it, you you know with your cable bill, um, you know, and some of the other charges that people have every month. Todd, I think, and I want to reiterate the point you made that nine of the ten wards are impacted by this. Nine of ten wards will see work in their ward dealing with the lead and and the pipes and so on. So it's just not four or five wards. I originally kind of envisioned that that would be simply the downtown and maybe the older areas, the north side, near south side. That's not the case, you you, you told me. That's right. And it, so that's for the uh, lead, lead service line materials. And then all 10 of the wards will be impacted by main replacement work in areas of high break history. So it, the, the program will be all over the city for sure. And reiterate a little bit what, what Doug talked about, 15 cents per day. So that's per service connection. So if you, you know, you typically have about three, three and a half people 
living at a service connection. So we're talking per person, we're talking about three cents or so. D- Doug, besides water and, and power, what are the things are on the CWLP bill? Isn't there a sanitary district has a, a something on the bill? Yes, yes, sanitary district. Um, so that's that's the the metro, yes uh, piece, and then uh, the city sewer uh, has a charge on it as well. Uh, there's a recycle fee, so there's a few other items on there. Uh, and you know, the water part is is one of the lowest uh, out of everything. You know, when, when you're when you're comparing between all the different utilities, Mister Fountain, if this if this passes, work start immediately. It will. Uh, we are. Actually, on the lead side of things, we started our program in 2019, so there's work ongoing now. So the effort would just be increased for sure. Um, So I guess our objective here is by 2027, when these mandatory lead service line replacement requirements uh, get put in place, we need to be up under state law to replacing about 500 lead service lines per year. Currently, we're doing about 200 lead service lines per year. And as Doug alluded to earlier, we just lack the internal and external in terms of contractors, workforce capacity to hit those numbers we need to hit in 2027. So we would continue to try to ramp up that effort so we feel pretty comfortable moving into 2027 that we can complete the work. And with that, you know, we have to build cash, essentially, Uh, in order to be able to bond uh, here in the next year or two, we're going to have to have our cash position greatly improved. So some of the initiatives that we have will, will have to be delayed, you know, for like equipment purchases and those kinds of things until we build that cash so we can we can get a good rating from the bonding agencies. Uh, Alex Wright, Wright's Home Furnish, I'll be with you in a minute. I know he's listening, and I appreciate him giving me the chance to wrap up this uh, portion of our interview today with the folks from CWLP. Uh, Todd, help me out. There appears to be, and maybe we always hear about it, a, a rash, maybe more than ever you'd know better than I do, of water main breaks. Uh, is it weather-related, or is it more age of the system? So it's both. Certainly our high time for water break or water main breaks is is in the cold environment in the winter. Um, we do have between about 100 and 120 breaks per year, typically. Um, there's some areas that are kind of unpredictable, they just happen, the ground heaves, the, the pipe moves, and we get a break. But there's other areas that we would target with this rate increase that uh, we know the pipe needs to be replaced and it's deteriorated to the point where it's compromised and we know it'll break every year unless we get out there and replace it. I would be remiss. One final question, Doug Brown. Hunter Lake, bring me update where we're at as of this morning. Yeah, so we've been working with the Army Corps, you know, it seems like forever, um, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, there's always seems like there's been new requirements, but I think we're finally getting to the, see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we know there's some last uh, steps that we have to do. There's even a study that we have to kind of redo um, that they want us, that they're requesting us for that. So there's going to be some additional, you know, costs for some studies. But the good thing about it is that the revenue that we receive off the land with the leases is actually covering all of our expenses for that. So that's that's one good thing. So it's not like an additional cost to our customers. <clears throat> um, so I, w- I would say that within, you know, maybe a year, we'll probably see some kind of finality with that. They uh, will as, make the final call, Army Corps of Engineers. Well, we have to right, get that. Yeah, the Illinois, the Illinois EPA has right. to get a permit for us. And then once we have that in place for water quality, essentially, of the lake, then the Army Corps could issue us a permit. 
Gentlemen, thanks for coming in. I appreciate your time on this Monday morning. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for what you do for the city of Springfield. Appreciate Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.